0: Okay, man. So first, can I start? I can start. Yeah, go. First of all, let's set the scene. It's the morning of Monday. What's that? Is it Monday? Uh, 15th. May. May fifteenth. 15th. Um, and uh, the year is 2017. Hefe is uh, at school, taking a little break from from his uh, busy schedule. Yeah. And uh, and I am on Fifth and Broadway. In downtown Los Angeles. Woo. It's early in the morning, too. It's early in the morning. So the first question is uh, Bill Wyman. And, uh, <laughs> because it, it took me a while, 27 or so years, to realize or to put two and two together. Um, I think it came after really studying the Stones and... Um, Pretty deeply for the last, for in the month of like April. So, how much do you think that? Uh, am I completely off base in being in U.S. heavily influenced by Bill Wyman's bass playing, or is it more like you're just uh, that Bill Wyman plays naturally more like a swing bass player, like he he's more of a would be some guy that. If history was different, he would have been an upright player. So he's playing more like an upright player that happens to be playing an electric bass. You know, I never really thought about it before, but um, when you were talking, I was thinking about how when I grew up, the record that I listened to the most was Love You Live. And oh, so wow. I probably, even the parts that Keith recorded originally, I, I know Bill's take on those. So. I really know Bill a lot more than Keith, no matter how you cut it. Yeah. And they do have a very different style, um, you know. But Bill's such a, a pick player. I don't know how that factors into it. But he also he does have a kind of a jazz, loopy. Um, the notes are real connected, but where Keith plays, the notes sh- uh, more connected. I mean, just more disconnected. Well, but the thing, the thing that it's more not so much the pick playing but it's the movement and the, like the buoyancy and the unpredictability and how he'll start stuff. You know, a lot of Stones is just like one chord, one chord, one chord, four chord, four chord, four chord, four chord one chord. And and he manages to really, you know, make that dance in a way that most bass players, um, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, the only other bass player I can think of is you. Because think of how simple so many of, the, of our stuff was one chord, one chord, five chord, five chord, one, whatever, and you kind of instinctively um, had that magic way of of uh, filling it in. Interesting. You know, I was just well, listening to um, the other podcast that uh, that we've done, and one thing I talked about in the Los Lobos podcast is how the basslines were real arpeggiated. Uh, I think that. Just playing the one three five 3 5 was uh, a major factor in the bass parts. Oh definitely. You know, the ones that you didn't compose, I think that was probably usually my starting point was just trying to play an arpeggio. Uh-huh. Well, you're, you're feeling out, it's more of a, and that's maybe where all the, the classical and, and legit training was, and playing in ensembles, like whatever, whether it's playing in a high school jazz band or high school Symphony Band or High School Marching Band. You just want to fill out the sound. You want to make a picture. You want to fill the canvas with sound. Because mm-hmm. why, else, why else are you doing it? What else are you doing? It? Gonna, it's heavy lifting. You're, you want to lift as much as possible so that it, it's, you're just helping everybody out. Yeah, that's um, Bill Wyman, too, definitely. That's a great point. Um, yeah, because there was so much, you know, the, the original band was... was was Keith and Brian Jones, and also a huge part of that was was mixed harmonica playing. So it was a he, he it was it was much more of a, a colorful um, thing that, than what the Stones got gotten got known for, which is like this kind of real simple. When people say oh, it's real simple, you know, but it's really florid, and, and it's a lot like you were saying, like the Lobos. In the, the Wabungo stuff you know? um, next question <laughs> importance I'm trying to you know, move this along in the in, in, a, in a, you know Ed Bradley fashion um, importance of standards covers, whatever you want to call it in, the importance of the past versus forging a new way is that something as a music educator that you um that you see is more important now that you passed it along to kids, whether it's like learning the line to the Zeppelin tune or learning uh, how to play a Schubert, you know, piece on the piano. Or do you think it's now that you've, you you know, grown older and seen, seen it? Is, is it more important for someone to forge ahead, or is it more important for someone to forge behind? <laughs> while forging ahead or is forging behind forging ahead I just for me personally I love forging behind so uh, I'm I'm always going to be sharing stuff that I that I see um, I mean but it doesn't have to be that far behind I was sh- showing some students a video by the um, young organ player Corey Henry are you familiar with him no oh he is he is spend an hour on YouTube watching Cory Henry videos. Okay. He, he is so, so, so great. He's been, um, he sometimes plays in, uh, I think it's called Snarky Puppy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 Okay, I, I know that guy. Yeah, uh, So I was showing some of my uh, high school students and Corey Henry and I am just so happy sharing it. I'm really I'm yeah. really happiest when I'm sharing Beethoven or Cory Henry with my troops. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I really mean it. that's really Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it's as valuable learning to play an instrument but for me it's my happy happy spot. Yeah. Um, I remember one time a few years ago I spent some time with my high school students that were learning to play guitar, bass and drums and we just learned three or four White stripe songs in one morning it's awesome yeah just, it's just so great yeah um, and you know if you're learning White stripe songs you're really going back to 1968 or whatever exactly. or even farther exactly even farther. yeah yeah that's a beautiful thing about those good guys um, who uh, is the most living or dead underrated jazz vocalist jazz vocalist uh, well uh, Shirley Horn I would say Trio, the power of three versus four or two. Um, The prime number is one, three, five, seven. You know, one, of course, is just, it's not a number. It's just a, a reality. One is one. Two is when you get into duality. Simon and Garfunkel, you know, Chuck D and Flavor Flav. Um, three is is me is what can make the least amount of people um, needed to make a band Um, one could argue unless you go back to the White Stripes which is why they were if, if they were in revolutionary in any way was if they were the first Two human beings that were called a band, arena rock duo. Uh huh. The first arena rock duo. Yes. Um, well, I, I uh, think three is uh, my favorite bands are three others. Sure. I think yeah, Tri- trios as you call it in French. <laughs> Russian, whatever. <laughs> Ty. Triage. When when uh, when, when uh, But in the Bible, it says where two or more are gathered in my name, they are mine what in What does that mean, two or more? Why, why is it so uh, multiple choice there? Why didn't you just say where three are gathered in my name? Or instead of two or more. In, Ecclesi- in Ecclesiastes, it says a bond of three is not easily broken. Wow. Whereas four can can, can break easy. Uh, yeah easier because you have two and two, you have two, you know, break it off and it's, it's, three, it's three people Got gang up on one and it's, and it's a no-brainer <laughs> or, or it breaks off into two and two. Um, I don't know. I've been given my spot before. The three is a magic number. Yes, it is. I agree. Yes, it is. Um, but I consider the Who as a trio. Being, uh, I, yeah, I think Roger Daltrey was basically uh P Townsend's mouthpiece. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that about Led Zeppelin. No, no, no. They're a beautiful quartet. Um. The next question is the. Two, I guess questions. And the next few questions are kind of together. The last. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can we go back for a second? Sure. How sure, do you sure. feel about um, Stevie Ray Vaughan as a trio versus Stevie Ray, Ray Vaughan quartet? Oh, Trio, trio. That's where the magic was. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I can see, I can see why he needed Reese. It was for live reasons. It was because he had become such a huge live act, um, and it coupled with his his um, drug use, he was becoming it, it, he was becoming spread more and more thin, and it, it just kind of gave him more. He didn't again, like back to the old concept of heavy lifting. I, I always refer to it as moving a piano. Making music in a band like moving a piano. The more people up to a point you have to move in it, the better. Sometimes, you know, four, th- three or four people can move a piano. I've seen one person move a piano up the stairs. But um, three or four is ideal. Once you end up five, then people start getting in each other's way, and actually that's when things get kind of messed up. I like that Heavy lifting So um, and that, That's just like the That's just like A live thing He didn't Stevie didn't need Reese Reese was incredible But Stevie needed Reese live Because he needed Just to, to, to have some of the Pressure taken off Off of him And just to make it More of a uh, Commercial that, that was like his Bowing down to some Kind of commercial Pressure or whatever I would have loved a, to hear, a natural progression I guess yeah, but I would have loved to hear Riviera Paradise, or whatever that song was called, with just a trio. hmm I mean, I was listening to Dirty Pool the other day. Oh, my God, incredible. Dirty Pool, I don't even know what that is. What is that? It's on the first, the first, it's on Texas Flood. Okay. Check it out, it's just, it's like this slow blues, but it's just the three of them, and it's amazing. And I think it was something that, that would have, wouldn't have been as, as, uh, striking if there would have been some dude, you know, under it. So It's so naked, so great. I think that um, that influence was big on Twang because I think we never really worried about the bottom dropping out if you played a solo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, the same thing with, with Double Trouble. They were just, they knew that Stevie was. They knew that Stevie wasn't worried, so why, why should they worry? They knew that he wouldn't. They, he wouldn't. Stevie wasn't going to leave them hanging, just like I wasn't going to leave you guys hanging. Yeah, yeah. It's like a big trust thing. Yeah. Um, leave, the so piano. lifting the piano. If you're throwing three people lifting the piano, you better trust each other. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the last. Uh, um, hash, tw- hash Twang, the last Twang album Yes what, what are your thoughts on it now? There's a couple of years have passed. And what are, what are your wishes for the next Twang album? Oh, I like this question uh, Well, I just heard Ice Capades this morning And It's, it's great I love it um, it's, That's the one That's the most Twangy, I think As uh-huh. an old, old school Twang uh, yeah. I love, um, I love, uh, what's the last song? Um, oh gosh. The one, um, uh, uh, something uh, uh, for Mannequin. Uh, poses are for Mannequin. Oh, oh, 80, 80, 80, uh, 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 oh, oh, oh. Finger Points for, mannequin? Finger pointing so. for Mannequins? Finger Points for yeah, A.D.D. Heart. Yeah. A.D.D. Heart. Yeah. That's such a great song. I, 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 wish, I wish everybody would get to hear it, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's a really cool project. I think um, every time I walk by the St. Thomas Church on Fifth Avenue, I think about you, uh, I think you wrote the Yawn song in there, is that right? That's right, I did, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, and I'm always getting texts from Eli and Amy saying how much they love the song Yonder though. Oh, that's awesome. That's sweet. That's a big compliment. Yeah, it literally, is like five times I've gotten a text from them telling me that they're listening to it, and they think it's wonderful. It's true story. I think, I mean, basically I'm getting to the point now where, and this goes for teaching, too, and I'm sure you learned this a long time ago, like, even if even if one person is affected positively, then... You're you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yep, yep. So next next twenty album, what do you what do you see what would be your wish for that? Um, hmm. Well, you know, I'm not really as creative as you are. I'm more uh, behind the scenes support, so I don't know. That. Coming up with an idea Like a, an initial spark I have I certainly haven't given any thought So I don't think I would be I'll let you know I'll, You'll be the first to know When I get that where, uh, um, Okay maybe I'll there's one more question on that, that key, Go further But where do you see that happening Okay that's it Where do I see it Well uh, I would certainly go back to Sonic Ranch That place is really cool And um it's yeah, I mean it has everything right um, it does have everything however, I feel that one of the main reasons for the magic of the last one got was the New Yorkness of it. I think yeah. there's something I think there's something about um, I think that you, Really, are rooted in New York, and you bring that to the sound of of us. And now that I'm a Californian, and Chris is the lone Texan, it's Although I think cool he's in thing. California right now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's in California. Um, okay. Well, wow. How crazy is that? Well, maybe we should do it in California, Portland. Maybe during. Maybe maybe next August. Yeah. Well, you know Larry Crane, right? Of course, that's right. Yeah, he was Oh my perfect. god, he'd be perfect. He'd be perfect. That's a good idea. This studio is awesome. We could we could record it onto the same ADAP that Elliot uh, used for XO because he has it. Do you know that? That the uh, the, the Elliot album, that classic XO, was recorded onto a single ADAP? Everyone always thinks it was like some eight track tape machine or whatever. Yeah, like the like the old school um, tape. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it's ADAT. Um, yeah, he, uh, he still has it, and, and no, one, no one cares about it. He's just sitting there collecting dust. He's like, I'd love to use this thing, and no one wants to use it. Yeah, some of uh, Brian Marcel's good songs are recorded on ADAT, too. They sound incredible. Yeah. I did Kunigu on ADAT. I loved it. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. It's such a, it's a good sound it's, it's rich, it's, it's taped. <laughs> it is. Tape. It is. It's tape. It's digital tape, but it's tape. Okay. Um. How has fatherhood changed your way of listening to music? Hmm. Well, I, that's. Uh. It's always changing because uh, she's getting older and her taste. Her taste change. Uh, I just made a playlist for her the other day of classical songs that I thought she should know, and. I thought I threw like some famous stuff in there, like, um, Ina Klein and Aki Music and, um, Pavarotti singing Puccini. But then I also just threw in some stuff that I really wanted her to know, like Shostakovich and WC. So I'm definitely in the role of educating her, but in a fun way. Because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, my mom used to always play this cassette of the box double violin concerto, and we would, oh, we would wow. listen to it all the time. And so, it's just... It got embedded in my bones. And so I want her to have something like that, too. But that's interesting, though. Like, you talk about the one Love You Live album. That was your album. And then that one cassette of the violin double concerto versus kids now who have, like, here's your playlist of 100 songs that you should know. And then two months later, it's going to be a different playlist. Do you think that that's reflecting the way kids... Like, they just can... Eat up everything that their minds are expanding and growing, or, or I'm pretty, or, um, I'm sure that's true, but I don't know how that really manifests itself. Like, I kind of know what the results of that is. Maybe that's, maybe that's the way our minds were always have always been, and we just are catching up to it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I appreciate being able to go on Spotify and listen to whatever I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't look at that as a, a listener's defect. I, it's true yeah. I don't listen to albums front to end like I did. Um, yeah, you know every once in a while I, I force myself to do that and it's always a great experience. But um, I don't know. I'd be interested if any 16-year-olds even know that that they're supposed to listen to like 12 songs in a row by the same artist. No way. Really no on way. the same day. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, so, um, that goes back to the 1950s, right? They were only listening to singles from the 1950s. The singles, yep. Exactly. Because that's all they had. Um, uh, let's talk about the Titans of Rock the mythology. Who are the two living Titans, like the Titans of Rock, like the original? Who are the living monuments of the, the titans of rock of who would you say they are they're still alive. Well, well I just kind of go with the classic rock core four which is Beatles who Zeppelin Stones yes, well. I think that I mean, as far as the impact on the world and it's interesting yeah. how all four of them are from England right of course um, and then like you mentioned Radiohead a while ago we're, we're really into you too. The, the influence of England is so huge. It's, it's kind of, it defies, log, it defies logic. It's crazy. Um, I, I don't know if I'm really answering your question. I mean, I throw the police in there too, another English fan. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, uh, I mean, for me growing we- up and for Chris too. And for other people we know, like Billy White, Rush was a giant influence, you know, at least like, yeah, 20, At least 25% of the influential spheres. Yeah. Uh, the influential hemispheres. Hemispheres, yeah. <laughs> you you can can them into this <laughs> 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 Sub- Sub- Subdivide them. Yeah. <laughs> But they were, they were again, they, they were Canadian. They weren't American. So they were... Right, and they were very influenced by British rock. Yeah. Um, so uh, who's the most underrated jazz drummer of the 80s? Louis Nash. Who's your favorite dead painter? Dan go. Talk to me a little bit about Central Park. How is your 20 years of living, 23 years of living with Central Park as your front front lawn? Do uh, you take it for granted? Is there not a day that you don't realize it? Um, just riff on Central Park for a little bit if you can. Well, um... It is a magical place. I think little tiny gnomes live in there, and possibly fairies as well. Um, If you drink the water, you'll live forever. Uh, There's never any tourists there. (laughs) 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 And it's 14 miles by 14 miles square. (laughs) What, in retrospect, was Austin's gift to you? I mean, uh, to go back to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the. There's a reason there's a statue of him there. Rick. Yep. One hundred percent. I agree. He just embodied everything you wanted to take from the idea of making music. Yep. and you know we're just the, we're so the cr- exact right age for it too. If we were five years Absolutely. older or five years younger, it'd probably be a different story. But it's so crazy because looking back now, I followed Stevie to Austin. Yeah, Stevie Dallas, was an Oak Cliff. Yeah, it Oak Cliff guy, and I was Oak Cliff, going to school in Oak Cliff and hanging out in Oak Cliff. And I, it, it was like he, it's like he went there, so. I mean, it's just like those idiots that like, oh, well, Miles Davis did heroin, I'm going to do heroin. You know, it's like, uh, Stevie went to Austin, I'm going to go to Austin.
1: And now <laughs> listening,
0: like listening, I was listening to Texas Flood yesterday, and just by driving around, and I just kind of came up, and I just go, I'm like, man, nothing sounds like Austin to me more than Steve Ray Vaughan. Like, really. I, yeah. I just can't think of anything that sounds like Austin more than Willie well, what, what more does than Dallas sound up, like now. that's kind of a, that's, a, that's an interesting question too to me Dallas is, is uh, Blind Willie McTell. it's Lemon Jefferson Blind Lemon Jefferson it's it's like when I hear old blues when I hear Robert Johnson I think of Dallas it was recorded in Dallas mm-hmm. when I hear any like r- rural blues you know modern you know, um um like 30s, 40s era ragtag, ragtime, you know, like urban blues. That's what I think of Dallas. Um, but I also think of Dallas uh, when I listen to Brave Combo. Brave, to me, Brave Combo was Dallas music at its finest, mm-hmm. and, and they're they're to me so amazing. They still are just such such a great band. There would be no New Bohemians without Brave Combo. Yeah. I can see that. And and um, so I, I consider this, that whole thing. Dallas is, is to me like folk music. New Bohemians to me were a folk rock band. Just like Grateful Dead was a folk rock band. And, and you, you listen to Newbos, it's just like, you can tell it's just a bunch of deadheads. They're it's, it's, it's so <laughs> sprawling. So sprawling. But I, did, I never, didn't grow up with a Grateful Dead at all. No, me neither. So, I, I, you know, I listen to Nubos, and then I hear The Dead, and I go, oh, I get it now. You know, you listen to something like The Air of December, and, and, then, and then you listen to The Grateful Dead live in Egypt or whatever, and it's just like, wow, it's, I can see what those guys were listening to. But what's so also, funny is I would, I would be listening. Go ahead. No, I, it's funny, though. I think there's a, another kind of layer to this in that I felt in 1989, like, Dallas musicians were precise in a way that Austin musicians were not. Uh, I think well, that's part of Stevie Ray Vaughan's effect as oh well. God. I mean, that was there before. That's probably something he naturally jived with. But um, I, 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 I always felt like wrong notes were just cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Brave Combo isn't about wrong notes. Wow, those guys are just masters of, of tradition, man. Those guys are incredible. Um, what is slash was Prince's most underrated, uh, underappreciated quality? <laughs> His piano playing. Awesome. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite gospel act of the last 20 years? Uh, Walter Hawkins. Uh, I sent you a couple of videos before of Walter Hawkins. Where is he from? Where is he? He's from Oakland. His brother Uh is Edwin Hawkins, the one who wrote um, Oh, Oh, Happy Day. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Walter started his own church in Oakland in the 70s called Love Fellowship. He would uh, It almost seems like his records are self-produced And he would He had a a choir of about 50 people and he would Write all the songs but he would Only sing like 2 out of 20 And he would assign lead vocals He would assign lead vocals to other people including His his sister and his cousin And uh, He's just And he's had a um, massive Influence on everybody who's come Since him His, His last real record is in 1997, so he kind of set the tone for gospel music over the past 20 years. Um, awesome. Yeah, but that's it. Walter Hawkins. Another person to check out. Okay. Who is your favorite living poet? Hmm. Ooh, that's a hard one. I'm not sure I know too many living poets. I would have said uh, Derek Walcott, but he just died about two months ago. Oh, he died. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can, can I can that be my choice? Yeah, that, that can be a choice. All right. You know, Hall um, did his like, what was his doctor thesis or whatever on Omeros? He was way into Derek uh, Walcott. Yeah, he just passed away. I didn't know that. But his his voice, wow, incredible. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, what do you? This is the last question. It's totally loaded and stupid, but what do you see, or where do you see yourself 20 years from now? <laughs> um, Maybe more geographically. I, I, my dream for not having to do anything, I have a specific dream, and I, I, I doubt I'll get to live this dream, but my dream would be to live in Vermont and have a Steinway Upright Grand and play play Beethoven in the morning and go ski in the afternoon. That's a great way to end this interview. That's amazing. (laughs) You heard it uh, first year, folks. In two years, Hepa's going to be skiing and playing Steinway Ground. Awesome. That's it. Well, uh, that was. Still like it better when you're heartachein' me. Everybody said, everybody said that we should never part. Oh, yeah. I guess they thought we were kind of cute together. Damn it, baby, 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 why, why'd you wanna go and break my heart?